Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom time, financial, location, health freedom. And in that light, I'm always interviewing guests, influencers, thought leaders on the cutting edge, changing the world. So today we have Adam Carroll, um, who has spent 15 years helping people do more with the money they make. And he's a internationally recognized financial literacy expert. He's also uh, Amazon bestseller and he's a two-time TEDx talk speaker with over 6 million views on YouTube, which you can find um, online. You can check it out. Uh, and he's, he talks about what playing Monopoly with real money taught me about my kids and humanity. So be sure to check that out. And I'm really happy to have him on the show. So Adam, welcome. Christopher, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm I'm excited about our conversation and curious to see where it goes because it could go anywhere with the two of us. It's really interesting because, uh, you know, we're talking backstage and, you know, I'm kind of um, doing a different slant with the audience. And so that's why I'm happy to have you on. Um, you're the creator of Broke, Busted and uh, Disgusted documentary, which is on CNBC. So tell us more about you, your story, and we'll get started. Go from there. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for asking. First off, my story is really that I graduated from college as a debt statistic. Uh, probably not too dissimilar from many of the folks listening to the show. Mm. And I realized early on that if I was going to get ahead financially, then I had better pay really close attention and be very intentional about how I was handling money. And so, you know, in my 20s, I started just pounding through financial literacy books, many of them recommended to me through a mentor. And every time I read one, I just got more and more committed and you know, farther down the rabbit hole, if you will, uh, about this topic and found that I loved it. And I just started sharing what I was learning with other people. It turned into a speaking engagement here or there, which turned into a speaking career. Um, the documentary and the TED Talks were kind of aftermath effects of that, but it's been a wild you know, 15 or 20 year ride and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. It's very, very fascinating because, um, you know, uh, you know, while what what made you decide? So, you know, a lot of people in their 20s, they're out with their friends, you know, socializing, you know, they kind of money's kind of on the backseat. Uh, what why is it so important for especially um, Gen Z, Gen Alpha to really focus on finances these days? Yeah, well, you know, the I grew up in a household where defined benefit pensions 
were still talked about. And today they're a thing of the past. You know, they've gone the way of the dodo bird. They're just not not there anymore. And um, I think for for the next generations coming up, they have to have a longer term perspective about money. And unfortunately, we've been we've been brought up in a society. They've been brought up in a society that really celebrates instancy. You know, it's like I don't need ownership. I have access to it. I can. I I don't need to own a car. I can rent a car. And because of that, while all that is good, it has also created this idea where um, if you want it, just go get it right now. And so as a result, debt loads have gone up. Uh, the amount of people that get in way over their heads uh, in terms of overspending their income has gone up. And for for people growing up today, I think what they need to do is think about who do they want to be or where do they want to be in five years or 10 years or 30 years even which is a, it's an odd thing to think about. But when I was 25, I was thinking about, Hey, at 55, I want to be done. I want to be done, done. And, uh, you know, today young people have the opportunities that if they made that decision at 25 by 35, they could be done, done. So it's just so much more is possible for people who have a, a longer term uh, time horizon. I love that. And, um, you know, it's like uh, talking to people such as yourself, it's really, you know, financial education, we have to, you know, basically modern, modern school system doesn't really <laughs> teach us, they keep teaching us the same things from the 50s and 60s, maybe introducing things here and there. But, uh, you know, really, we have to take responsibility and really upgrade our education for the modern day future. So yes, which is Quite interesting because um, one thing you um, talk about is uh, this idea of, um, especially with debt, you know, school, the school system, and uh, a lot of Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they're questioning, you know, should I go to school? It's, you know, it's hard to get into, you know, there's, uh, it's expensive, you know, it, it, they can do other things, they can get there faster. So what are your ideas on the modern school system, debt and financial education? Yeah. I think that, well, first of all, I have three kids and one is in college right now. She's, she's almost 20. I have an almost 18 year old who's going to graduate this year from high school. And I have a 15 year old freshman in high school. And I have long said that I fully believe that my daughter, the old, the oldest child and my next youngest or my next oldest child would both go to college and they would experience college the way that most people do. But I had a feeling that my 15 year old would, it would be a completely different scenario for him. Mm. And, and I still think that in three or four years, we could see a massive shift in what college looks like. Um, now, it, does that mean he'll, he'll go, he'll get a degree. I don't know. He, he is, he's my entrepreneurial kid. And so when, uh, NFTs were the rage and play to earn games, he was all over that. He wanted to know all about it. And my other two are just a little bit more straight and narrow down the path of, no, I want to get an education and I want to go find a job. And so I, I think for, you know, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, what they need to consider truly is what is the ROI on that education? And this has long been my pitch to students is, Hey, if you're here at a college, know why you're here. You know, and if it's just to socialize and have fun, well, you can socialize and have fun and not have to pay tuition. You just hang out <laughs> on a college campus. It's pretty easy. Um, but if you know why you're there, you know, you're, you're there for a degree, you know, the degree is going to lead you down this path of what, what you want to do for a living. 
then determine what is the ROI on that degree, the return on investment, mm. so that you're not, you know, caught unaware in four years or six years or eight years with several hundred thousand dollars in debt without any context of what it takes to pay back several hundred thousand dollars of debt. Mm -hmm. um, so that that ROI conversation is one that we have in our household. I think more families need to be having that with their kids. You know, yes, you want to go to this dream school, but what will the cost be and what will the outcome be on the back end of that? Mm -hmm. And is it worth it? Like, can we look at the ROI and determine if it's if it's an appropriate investment for you? I like that, you know, because uh, in the past, it was sort of just kind of get on the train track and, you know, follow this path. And, you know, that's what everybody did. But now you have to be very intentional and strategic about, you know, where you go, you know, should you go, you know, how much is it going to cost? Uh, right. I love this ROI on investment. I, I love that. Um, next is uh, one thing that you talk about, for example, um, your TEDx talk, which um, I encourage all the uh listeners and viewers out there to check out is when money isn't real and the $10,000 experiment and basically give us a teaser so that we can, so that the audience out there will enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, we are a game playing family. Let's start there. We, we play games in our household a lot, ball games, board games, dice games, card games, but my kids really, really love to play monopoly growing up. And we would play Monopoly, but as as most people do, and I'm sure yours is your family's the same way, the games took forever. They would be hours and hours and hours. And one day I was watching my kids play, and it occurred to me that they were playing outside the rules. So they were buying each other out of jail and they were loaning each <laughs> other money to buy properties. And while I loved the 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 very kind-hearted way they were playing the game, it also occurred to me that this is why the games take eight hours, you know, because we're not playing by the rules. And then it it also occurred to me as I was thinking through, I'd just gotten back from a trip to a, a university campus and the students there, I would ask every college that I speak to, I will ask students, how much will you have in debt when you graduate? And guess what the number one answer is? They, they they probably didn't know or they they said that uh, their parents probably paid for it or that's or... exactly right they didn't know most of them said i don't know i have no idea what i owe will owe could could not usher a guess at all and i said uh, i noticed that that one of the things that's happened on college campuses and it was this way when i went i'm sure it was when you went but we got a card we got a university id we swipe the university ID to get into the dining center or to buy stuff in the C stores or whatever. And today they just put a fingerprint on a, on a reader mm. and based on their fingerprint, they're immediately allowed into the dining center. And it's, it's the abstraction of money, right? And, mm. and the abstraction of money is happens when we start to strip away the idea of money as a physical tangible thing and instead it's just an abstract idea so uh -huh. when money is digital and and therefore very abstract people don't have a sense of how much they're spending and casinos you know famously have done this they they took away chips they started doing just cards that you insert in the machine um chips themselves are an abstract version of money but there's all sorts of examples like at disney world you get a magic band today and the magic band functions as your room pass and your your or your your room key and your park pass, but it's also as your wallet and photo ID. Uh -huh. And so if you want to buy something at Disney World, you just, you know, tap your wrist somewhere. 
And it's the abstraction of money at the end of the week. You have no idea how much you've spent. Um, but I guarantee you it's more than what you probably would have if you had been carrying cash. And so um, in seeing my kids play this way, I thought, what if the money were real? Would they play the game differently? And so I went to my credit union on a Friday afternoon and I said, I need $9,990 in all the denominations of bills on a monopoly board. And uh, of course, the tellers were all just like mouths open. What are you going to do with this money? <laughs> and then I I told them, uh, they said, you have to tell us what happens. And on Sunday morning, I set out $10,000 in cold, hard cash on the kitchen table. And we started playing a high stakes game of Monopoly. Wow. And uh, and my kids, true to form, they played differently. And they started being very conservative and mindful of the money. And it really taught us a lesson about how to raise kids with money to make sure that they understand the the ramifications of their money decisions uh -huh. and also helping them become more and more savvy, you know, from their preteen to teenage years to today where, you know, my kids after the age of 14 really have not asked for money from us at all. They've got plenty of money in the bank. They, they know what college costs. Um, it's really been a remarkable transformation for them. Interesting, because, uh, you know, because we were brought up in society, you know, we think of money as um, as uh, something to be accumulated. And uh, when you think about money as an idea, it's basically um, you know, now it's atoms, but, you know, it's paper and ink and it's energy and yeah. financial energy, uh, which really changes things the way you think about it. Um, yeah, I encourage all the listeners to, to check out um, Adam's uh, TED Talk. Uh, next is uh, you. You did a documentary, which is uh, really interesting. You know, none of my guests have done that. Um, and tell us how they can, uh, what it's about, and how they can find it, and what is the main thesis. The documentary started uh, really as an idea for a book, and what I was going to do, Chris, was I was going to write a book called "Broke, Busted, and Disgusted: True Tales of Student Loan Borrowers." And the reason being, I had been on all these college campuses. And I had met some students that they were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to graduate debt-free, and here's how I did it. And I was really creative about scholarships and grants and work-study and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and then I had some students that said, I have no idea. Some said I'll have 80 to 100 and a quarter in student loans for a bachelor's degree. Mm. And I wanted to share stories of people really as almost as like a, a warning to yeah. students that were looking at going to school to figure out what do I need to do and what do I need to avoid doing. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this and I said, I have this great idea for a book and here's what it is. And he goes, gosh, that would make an awesome documentary. And I said, yeah, it would, but I don't, I don't know the first thing about making documentaries. And he goes, yeah, me neither. Let's do it. So we, <laughs> we partnered together and this is a guy who he had some video experience. Uh, it was very talented video editor but he'd never really done full scale, you know, full production of a, of a doc, like a 50 minute documentary. And so we brainstormed for a month about what would it be and how would we do it? And, um, you know, we were questioning how would we afford to do this? And in the end, um, we decided we were going to crowdfund. So we, we put it up on Indiegogo. Uh, we sent emails out to our lists. And within 45 days, we'd raise $67,000 wow. to, to produce and, and edit and 
you know, basically bake this entire documentary. Yeah. And from that point forward, we started pushing it to high schools and colleges. It was shown all over the state of Iowa where we live, uh, funded by credit unions to their credit. They they saw the value in it and said, we want to support this and we're going to put it in high schools. And then through our network, uh, CNBC came sniffing around and said, hey, we love the content. We want to air this. We're going to license it for a year. Wow. And so uh, they aired it, I think, six or eight times. But um, it was pretty surreal, Chris, to see this idea that was had yeah. that had really none of our own money in it, a lot of our time and sweat and effort and tears, um, but none of our own money to see that on CNBC airing right after Shark Tank was <laughs> was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so if anybody has that idea, here's the the message I'd give to you is don't let money be the reason you don't go do something because there's a lot of people out there who want to support your your big ideas. The The challenge is just figuring out how do you put your idea in front of them in order to get the funds raised. Yeah, very fascinating and very um, insightful, especially, uh, you know, I love the work that you've done and how you've grown and scaled it from your TEDx talk and your documentary, you know. I really enjoyed this conversation, especially financial literacy, and um, it's so important today. If you had one kind of uh, last parting words of advice for the audience and listeners out there, what what would it be? Well, one of the things for me that's really made a huge difference is when I went through that process in my 20s and I was reading all the books around money, it occurred to me, and I don't remember what book this was in, but it said the two greatest expenses we have in life our taxes and the interest expense on debt. Mm-hmm. And those will be the two greatest headwinds that we will face as we uh, strive towards financial freedom. And so if we figure out simultaneously how to minimize our taxes, which I know you've done a number of shows on, and you've got a lot of experts on the show that will talk about how to do that through real estate investing and syndications and uh, you know things like ATM tranches and oil derricks and all those things, you can get very creative about how you minimize your taxes when you're a business owner or a real estate owner. Um, but not a lot of people figure out the interest expense on debt. Mm-hmm. And so we have spent years perfecting a model called the shred method that really is about how do you minimize debt? And when you minimize the interest expense on debt and overall minimize debt, yeah. what it does is it frees up so much cash flow that you can then begin building real wealth in short order, not in you know, dollar cost averaging over 30 years, but in five or 10 years, you can create massive wealth building potential and create financial freedom for yourself far faster. So for your listeners, my, my parting words of wisdom are really twofold. Number one, figure out how to minimize your tax liability. It's kind of an obvious statement, but it helps. <laughs> And simultaneously, can you figure out how to minimize the interest expense on debt? Because when you do both of those, you own more of your income. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're making, you know, if, if 90% of that is yours to keep, imagine how much more powerful that is than you know, sending 70% of your hard-earned dough out the door in taxes and interest expense. I think the greatest te- expenses are taxes, debt, um, inflation, and these are, um, and then also uh, the market booms and busts. That's how, you know, kind of the wealth is um, redistributed, reallocated. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. How can people um, contact you, follow you, reach out to you? 
and uh, check out your resources. Uh, the best way to find me, honestly, is at uh, Adam Carroll with two R's and two L's dot info. So if you want info on me, adamcarroll.info. Um, but I'll tell you, Chris, if if there are folks out there who are interested in reducing the interest expense on debt, theshredmethod.com is our site that will, uh, we've got a calculator that will walk through and show you exactly how fast you can be out of debt. And we would be happy to engage folks on a 20 minute call and just show you exactly what it can do for you as well. So either adamcarroll.info or theshredmethod.com. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, um, let's thank Adam for coming on to the show, uh, sharing his knowledge and expertise. Uh, be sure to check out his TEDx talk. It's all, all over the internet and, as well as a documentary. He's also got books um, that you can check out on Amazon and um, be sure to check out his website that, as well as um, learn about the shred method, how to blast away debt in record time. And with that, thanks so much. And uh, thanks for coming on to the show. Always a pleasure, Dr. Lou. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week